On the Shortness of Life by Seneca the Younger One Sentence Summary On the Shortness of Life is a 2,000-year-old, 20-page masterpiece by Seneca, Roman Stoic philosopher and teacher to the emperors, about time and how to best use it, to ensure you lead a long and fulfilling life. My favorite quote from the author is... You act like mortals in all that you fear and like immortals in all that you desire. Seneca the Younger I had forgotten about this book. I believe I got it as a gift for St. Nicholas's Day in 2014. After hearing Ty Lopez read a few passages from it, I knew I had to read it. On the shortness of life is the definite call to action to end procrastination, and it's 2,000 years old. De brevitate vitae, in Latin, Seneca the Younger wrote it in 49 AD as a moral essay in form of a letter addressed to his father-in-law. A quote. People are frugal in guarding their personal property, but as soon as it comes to squandering time, they are most wasteful of the one thing in which it is right to be stingy. Seneca. If we had a bank account into which $86,400 were deposited each day, with the remaining balance being deleted at 12am, we'd all be sure to draw out every cent and spend it wisely. Yet, we gleefully give away the 86,400 seconds we're given each day to strangers and senseless pursuits. Seneca will help us change that. Here are my three lessons from this timeless masterpiece. 1. Chasing leisure Luxury and legacy is what makes a long life appear short. 2. You can be busy all your life without ever doing something meaningful, so beware. 3. Your ability to contemplate and appreciate life can never be taken from you, and that's what matters. I hope you're ready for a few lessons of history that have stood the test of time for ages. Tighten your time pouch, we're about to get stingy where it counts. On the Shortness of Life Lesson 1 Life only seems short to those who spend it chasing leisure, luxury, and legacy. This answers the question, what are some of the most common reasons why we think we don't have time? A good question to ask yourself to determine if an activity is worthwhile is this. If I did this for 24 hours straight, what would it amount to? If the answer is nothing or not much, then you know it's one of those activities Seneca considers the trivialities that make life seem short when it really isn't. Three typical kinds of such activities are those supposed to lead to leisure, because he who spends all of his workday fantasizing about the tranquility of retirement will never truly retire, luxury, he who works only for the next car, house or vacation will always be worried about either the last one losing its touch or where the next one will come from. And three, legacy. He who hopes for the grandeur of his tombstone will spend much of his life planning an event he can neither attend nor control. I'm guilty of the last one sometimes. Don't spend your life preparing for life. The life in the future you're working towards may never come. So don't defer what matters to your 50s, 60s and 70s, for they may never come. To close out in Seneca's words, it is not that we have a short time to live, but that we waste a lot of it. Life is long enough, and a sufficiently generous amount has been given to us for the highest achievements, if it were all well invested. But when it is wasted in heedless luxury and spent on no good activity, we are forced at last, by death's final constraint, to realize that it has passed away before we knew it was passing.
On the Shortness of Life, Lesson 2. Don't spend the voyage of your life being tossed about by wind and weather, or worse, other people's vision. This answers the question, what gets us off our important path that we are on, and what prevents us from spending time on the things that matters to, to us. Quote, A ship in harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. John A. Shedd. To illustrate the difference between merely being busy and living a life of actual value, Seneca draws from naval vocabulary. The above quote relates to giving up your comfort zone, getting out there and living your life. Seneca remarks that how a ship fares on its journey matters too. Quote, so you must not think a man has lived long because he has white hair and wrinkles. He has not lived long, just existed long. For suppose you should think that a man had had a long voyage who had been caught in a raging storm as he left harbor and carried hither and thither and driven round and round in a circle by the rage of opposing winds. He did not have a long voyage, just a long tossing about. Seneca. The ways in which people get tossed about are plentiful. Some adjust course far too often. Some never adjust course at all. Some know they should adjust, but say they will do so later, which they never do. Worst of all, however, is to let someone else's vision be the wind behind your sails. What's the point of spending your life worried about things that are not yours to worry about, working for someone who set sail to where you never want to go? On the shortness of life, lesson 3. What's truly important in life can never be taken from you. This answers the question, what is the most comforting aspect of the fact that our lives are short or feel short? Once you see past possessions, past time and power, Seneca says you will find peace in the fact that true self-worth comes from within. You are independent and self-reliant when you ground your thinking in the following two truths. 1. You will always be able to contemplate life and its deepest meanings. And two, you will always be afforded with the choice to appreciate its beauty. No other mortal can ever take these two things from you. In sickness and in health, in poverty and wealth, in good times and in bad, they will always be yours. So exercise these powers and take solace in their presence. Being offended by other people's actions and words is a choice. But so is being content. Choose the latter and you will live, in any sense of the word, a long life. My personal takeaways from On the Shortness of Life for 2017. <clears throat> okay, lots of quotes here. I've been quoting left and right because when I read the summary of this book on Blinkist, which was fairly new, uh, this summary is new too, it's May now, this was published April 13, 2017, um, I remember it when I read the book because the book is only 20 pages and you can get an edition from Penguin Books. It's also free online, you can Google it, but the Penguin Books translation really gets to the point and all the quotes I made are from that one and they're really succinct. And also it includes many other letters. I have only read the first part so far, the 20 pages of On the Shortness of Life, because they're so dense with insight. Um, that I had to lie down a little and, and digest everything. But it's really, really good. It's a really good translation. And it's not much. It's a couple bucks. It's a very thin book. Um, and I have another one, but I'm going to keep that for the end, actually. Another quote. So um, reflecting on that, again, I came across the book, I guess, in 2014. Um, and 
think some of the most present quotes I have in my head are from that book. So stuff like you act like mortals and mortals and all that you fear and like immortals and all that you desire, right? That just means we procrastinate on the things that we desire because we think we have a lot of time to get them. And then on the other hand, we run around scared and panic of stupid things that we fear that might never happen, most of which will never happen. Um, so stuff like that, that's been stuck in my head. And that's and some of the quotes from this book are the first ones I go to when I want to explain to someone why they should start this project today or why they don't have as much time as they think or where they waste time or and so on. So this really hit home, I guess. Um, so that's the first part. Like, it's one of the best books I know. Um, it's one of the most succinct, too, and one of the most dense, uh, as I said. So if you want to get a serious kick in the butt in a very short period of time or with a very short read, this is the book to go to. Um, and on the lessons, I want to elaborate on a few parts. So first of all, Leisure, luxury, legacy. I mean, that's obvious, right? Leisure is just being lazy and just wanting to spend more time doing things that aren't work than things that are work, um, which isn't a problem if you have work you love, right? That's why I'm so hell-bent on pushing everyone to like make a passion project, like get a new hobby, do work on that thing you love, do spend 10 minutes here, 10 minutes every day, uh, don't do too much and so on because I want people to eventually come up with something that they love that they can make money from because now it's possible to make money thanks to the internet from almost everything um, so that they don't get sucked into this leisure problem where they end up at the end of their life with like oh shit I spent all my time watching Netflix and I have none left uh, luxury I mean that's obvious right you, can, you can't take any of your stuff with you when you die I just walked around um, I'm home at my parents house a very small village 1400 people I just took a walk and I see like people's houses and George Collins said like a house is just a pile of stuff with a cover on it. And that's really just what these all these houses are. And some people have garages and they're packed and stacked and stuffed full with crap um, that, that they don't use, they don't need. That eventually the only thing that's going to happen if you have a house that's filled to the roof with shit uh, is that when you die, your kids will inherit the house and they will sell the house and they will have to get rid of all that stuff and you're actually putting a burden on your descendants um that's in 90 percent of cases what happens I've, I've seen it happen hundreds of times uh, or not hundreds of times but like a couple times in my own family and then what people told me from friends and so on it's always the same thing like nobody keeps it's like one to two percent you keep and then the rest you throw out and if you sort out that one to two percent before you die um if, you, if you're old, then you're doing everyone a favor. Uh, or you might as well not accumulate so much, right? Just keep less memories. It, that's fine, right? Take pictures, digitize stuff. Um, so, yeah, and then screw the luxury part, right? It's the same with leisure and luxury sort of go together because luxury includes things like vacations too and it's like off time. Um, so you don't have that problem. If you love what you do, then you don't need as much. I'm not saying you don't need any. That's fine everybody has some form of escapism that's okay but if the escapism dictates your life that's bad and lastly legacy that's the one i really want to expand on because i'm guilty of that i that caught me off guard actually because i didn't think he would say that's bad but it actually makes sense 
because I think like a legacy is something worth striving for, but it's right that you can't control it, right? So um, it's very noble to want to have the best kind of funeral and where like people show up and they really care about you and so on. That's good uh, because usually it, what it does, it, it makes people ethical and moral and take the right actions and so on. That's what I'm hoping it'll do for me. But of course you can't control it, right? So you don't, you shouldn't do like everything in service of that because you can, yeah, never control it. So um, that's where I get his point. Um, the second part, I mean, the second part is really just don't care about people's opinions, right? It's the whole comfort zone thing. Um, you have to make sure you do what's right for you. And that means you might end up being an anomaly. And if that's the case, then that should be fine. And you shouldn't let other people's vision dictate what you do or other people's opinions. That's even worse. That opinions is the worst one because nobody gives a shit about opinions in the end. Um, everybody has opinions. Um, so you have to get over those. And that's also why I like the do a passion project, start small, blah, 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 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, a little answer on Quora a day, something small, because you can start small and you can ease your way into it because you build the confidence by doing the thing. And the more you do of the thing, the more confidence you get. I see it from mine. Like by now, I, I get much more comfortable with sharing stuff and not caring about what people will comment. Um, and it just builds up. It's it, it builds up over time. It compounds. So the more you do, the better. And the last lesson, I really liked that one. That was a take that uh, on my first skim through the book, I didn't really catch. So that's been really good. There are some things you will always be afforded, you will always have, right? So as long as you're alive, you can think. And as long as you can think, you can think about how awesome life is or how lucky you've been or how much, how many things you can be grateful for. Or like even somebody who ends up like Viktor Frankl in a concentration camp, by the way, Man's Search for Meaning, I think that's a brilliant book to go with this one. You can listen to the audio too. Um, you can always, that's something like even someone, yeah, who ends up in a concentration camp has the ability to think and to change his perspective and to keep his perspective and to stay sane in his head and to contemplate life. And Viktor Frankl, he thought of a lot about his wife when, and that's how he got through and how he survived the concentration camps and stuff like that. So that can never be taken from you. Like until the moment you die, you can always think and you can think good thoughts. And that's something like that's, that's pretty precious. That's pretty damn awesome because that means technically every second you're alive, you get a chance to, be, I don't want to say be happy, but right, like make the right choices. So you can choose to appreciate whatever situation you're in. You can choose to, even an obstacle, even a horrible situation, you can choose to use that as a stepping stone, flip the obstacle, as Ryan Holiday says in The Obstacle is the Way, and use it, leverage it to something bigger and to get use it to get better and to practice patience and, and surrender and all those kinds of things and perseverance. Or uh, you can say like shit and get dragged down, but like that's your choice. Uh, I love this phrase, like being offended is a choice. Um, so why would you choose to be offended? Uh, I think that's really, and that really wraps up the power of stoicism as a whole in a nutshell, because it's always, always, always about perspective. You choose your perspective. And the second you realize you can choose your perspective, you can alter it any second. And that's really the power of this philosophy, of this approach. And that's why I love it so much, because once you get it, once you flip that switch, and I don't know what it is that makes it happen for people, um, because it's different for everyone, but I try to talk and share as much about it as I can to get as many people to flip sort of as they can. 
but because once you flip that switch that's really powerful and that's really uh, life-changing and that's really puts you in a better position to succeed in i just want to call it life like the game of life whatever you want to call it okay quote to end with seneca again of course we are not given a short life but we make it short and we are not ill supplied but wasteful of it life is long if you know how to use it see you on the next summary